Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for Getting the Shit Together, and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creators of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com, where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email to let us know what you would like to hear about at info at gyst-ink.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Just Do It. I'm your host, Kara Tomei, and what I do on this podcast is seek out artists who have hybridized their careers to include some form of innovative programming that engages the public. So that could be through an ongoing project, uh, an artist collaborative, a nonprofit entity, whatever form it takes. We here at GIST want to champion artists who have diversified their practice to include engaging an audience. And our goal is to give them a forum to share their experiences so others can be inspired to do the same. So today I have a guest with me who has a, has a very experimental and innovative project going on uh, that I became aware of uh, back in February a few months ago. It is called The Floating Library. And I actually uh, found out about it uh, as I was um, following the promotion and um, online marketing for the LA Art Book Fair, which is put on by Printed Matter at MOCA every year. and. It was uh, obviously a spin-off project of that produced by a wonderful, uh, very innovative organization here in LA called Machine Project. And I, I want to ask Sarah a little bit more about how that came about because, again, I haven't even talked to Sarah before. So this is going to be a fun time for me to learn more about her, learn more about how she came up with this fabulous idea and how she is continuing to to do it. And she's got a lot of other uh, projects going on as well that I think will be interesting for us to talk about. So I'm going to welcome Sarah to the show. Hi there. Hello. It's great to be here. Good. I'm so glad you are. So I, you know, I just kind of gave a little intro about how I found out about the floating library. It actually also had to do with a mutual, it's either a mutual friend or I know that an artist friend of mine who I went to CalArts with, um, she now lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is where you live. And she mm-hmm. contributed a book to the floating library. Her name's Margaret Pizzala. Do you know her? Margaret. Yes, I, I, know, <laughs> yeah. I know Margaret quite well. I have many Good. different connections to Margaret, and she was one of my commissioned artists a couple of oh, years that's ago. Great. So she made, oh, that's great. she made a couple of pieces specifically for the Floating Library. Yeah, she's oh, that's so great. Cool. Yeah, I've known her for a good 20 years since going to, to CalArts together, and although I lost her from L.A. over there to the uh, to, to the lake, lake cities over there. and. Uh, right. I, she keeps telling me how great the city is, and I, I see that it is. Of course, it's got the wonderful museums and stuff. And, and then I'm looking into your projects and some of the festivals that are there. And it, Minneapolis really is. A, it seems like an incredibly creative city where there's a lot of uh, funding and support for really interesting public projects. 
So, um, and yours are among them. So let's start talking about, about uh, things. First, just give me a little brief intro on yourself. I mean, you're an artist, a working, practicing artist. So a quick little couple minutes on your background about being an artist and then maybe how you came to start doing public projects. Sure, sure. Um, yes, I am an artist. I, um, I moved, I, I didn't grow up in Minnesota. I grew up in Nebraska and I ended up here to go to school as many people do. And I studied studio art and art history. And then as many people who study studio art and art history end up doing, I went um, and got into working in the nonprofit art sector. Um, and I was fortunate to land a position as the assistant in the education department at the Walker Art Center, which is one of the fantastic uh, public institutions that we have here, um, art museums. And I worked there for 10 years doing oh, wow. public and interpretive programming in the education department. It was a wonderful education. I trained to be a tour guide. I gave tours. I invited numerous artists to come speak. I worked on residencies. It was a really, really great education. Um, and and I met fantastic people. And all the while, I worked to maintain my own artist practice, which is making books. And um, that, that just sort of came out of a, I, I studied with a fantastic uh, fiber artist professor while I was in school. I also um, did a lot of photography and ended up somehow making my way over to the world of books where all of these ideas and images and materials could come together. And so that, that's, that's where my particular artist passion lies in terms of studio practice. And uh, so th those are sort of parallel worlds going on there, working in an art museum and then, you know, staying up late every night making books at the Minnesota Center for Book Arts. And when I left my job at the Walker, I fumbled around for a little while and then ended up getting connected with a former Walker um, colleague who had started an arts organization working primarily in public space, doing episodic artist projects. Um, and that organization is called Northern Lights. And so I've been working with Northern Lights now for about five years. And that is how uh, I, I get, came into the world of public art. And uh, we produce events that happen in both outside, but also in places like train stations and at the state fair. Uh, and we produce a large arts festival that takes place every summer in June. So we're gearing up for that right now. So I'm, in the, I'm taking a break here from a day of meetings about that to talk about the floating library, which is fun. Well, that might be a nice little, uh, you know, uh, a, well, it might be a nice break and I, and I want it to be, but I also want to double back to uh, the Northern Spark stuff as well, because that's super intriguing. But yeah, because, because I really uh, found you through the floating library and I'm really interested to, to hear about, yeah, how the idea for the project came about and um and and a little bit of the history of it i uh from your website which is um thefloatinglibrary.org if anyone wants to go over mm -hmm. there and see lots of great pictures and and a great blog about it that you have uh done the project a, a couple different times but um so and then yes of course so then how from how you got from minnesota to los angeles to to, to launch it sure well, should I sort of give the long and winding story of where how the library came to be? 
Give the medium winding story. The medium, okay. <laughs> with only sure. twice, with yeah. only these episodes go so quickly. I like to keep them to thirty minutes, and people think it's long, and then all of a sudden we've had such a great time talking. They're they're over. So no, yeah, of course I want to know just. Yeah. Uh, okay. I will. You know. I'll do the medium. The medium. I want to be able part to of it is already yeah. told that, you know, that I that I started, um, you know, that books making books is. is part of my studio practice but um so you know we live here in the land of 10,000 lakes there's actually more than 10,000 lakes in Minnesota but there's also several lakes here in the urban core of the Twin Cities there's a number of lakes that I can get to within a 10-minute bicycle ride from my back door uh, and that's really also informed me a lot in living here and um, one of the fantastic things that happens here in the Twin Cities is at winter time art projects called the art shanty projects where artists build shacks art shacks creative little structures that live out on a frozen lake for one month during the winter time and this is sort of oh, a wow. on the common pastime of ice fishing which ice happens fishing, in yeah. the upper midwest and it's a it's, the art shanties is a, is a project that's now been running for about 10 years and is a formal um 501c3 arts organization now but really was started as an artist generated just doing shit get shit done mm -hmm. right doing yeah. it yeah <laughs> out on the lake. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. um the the origin story of the the floating library is actually a frozen lake where i was part of a shanty building team we were the first all female shanty building team um and we built a shanty and we spent this winter hanging out on this frozen lake in the shanty welcoming visitors playing games doing all this stuff and a friend and i who were on the team together decided that we really liked building things together we worked well together and that we wanted to spend as much time on a lake in better weather and so we yeah. decided that we wanted to build a boat and so the next summer we found some plans on the internet and we built a small rowboat that was a, a is a portuguese style dinghy and it took us about two months to build it and then we spent the rest of the warm weather season rowing around on the many lakes in minneapolis and it's this cute little boat that we painted bright orange and we would um, take magazines or books out and just read and drift on the water. And so that became this favorite pastime of mine. And also it was this interesting, um, it was always a conversation starter because we were in this little orange boat that was unlike anything else that anybody was floating around in on a lake. And so a lot of people would ask us questions and like, where did you get that boat? Oh, you made that boat. Wow. It's a, you know, and so it became right. this conversation piece. For talking to so you, so you built it for, so you built it for yourselves, but then it turned out to uh, just intrigue the public and it became almost an mm -hmm. automatic public project. I, yeah. That's great. Yeah. It, it, it's, this is an example of something that really was not intended to be an art project at all. In fact, both mm -hmm. of us just wanted to make something that wasn't art <laughs> I wanted to just it was like the Saturday afternoon construction project in the backyard that then became a recreation tool um, for for spending some like languid afternoons out on the water and then a couple summers later um, I was uh, in between jobs and a friend of mine was doing a project where he had invited artists to make unregulated marketplaces in various spots around town connected to show that he was working on at Mass Mocha, as my friend Sam Gould from Red 76. And so I decided to make an illegal floating ice cream store, 
where I made every week I'd go to the farmer's market and I would buy ingredients and I would make ice cream and then I would put it in a cooler with dry ice and I would put it in my boat and I would beg a friend to come with me. And on Sunday afternoons for the month of July, we sold ice cream out of my boat on Cedar Lake in Minneapolis. And this was another thing that does not, was not intended really to be an art practice. I was really just, I needed something to do. And I love ice cream and it, I wanted to be in the boat. And uh, through that experiment, which was a terrible business model, um, <laughs> it barely broke even well, and not what? including Most, any labor know, costs. Well, most DIY artist projects do start uh, mm-hmm. out with terrible financial models because, like you said, are yep. they just people get let's just do it, and then and then yep. usually you do it, and then it kind of then you see the potential and move forward. Which sounds like it, what what happened with the floating library is what I think you're getting to is you know started as yep let's just do this, and then oh we've got something really good here, and then oh how can we sustain it? And you I, and I'd like to talk a little bit too about the sustainability of it as well. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so you, so what year did you officially uh, call it an art project and float the library? Was was the Los Angeles one one the first iteration, or was there one? No, before that? so the. The ice cream boat happened in 2011, and then from there became came you know fast forward the idea of making it a book boat instead of an ice cream boat mm-hmm. came into being, and the very first library happened late in the summer of 2000, where okay. I had a, applied for a grant to do the project and I didn't get it, and I decided I wanted to do it anyway because I thought you know <laughs> this, you is, this someone else is going to think of this idea. We live in a land of lakes, and I wanted right. to get it out there first. And so I built a, um, you know, again, looked up plans on the internet for how to build a floating dock, invited friends to my backyard who, you know, could help. And we built this thing. We bought barrels. We, um, I put out a call for books just using Facebook and, and connections in the book arts world and was totally surprised that people from all over the country wanted to send me their fine press projects for inclusion on a lake-based library. (laughs) And so I assembled this collection and we put the raft in the water and it floated and we um, spent just (laughs) one weekend. Yeah. uh, You know, inviting people to come and and visit. And because I had spent so much time on that lake already, Cedar Lake in Minneapolis, I knew that there was this, um, this, uh, flotation pattern of people who would rent their canoes at one of the other lakes and then float through and then turn around and go back. And so Mm -hmm. I positioned the library's raft where I knew we would get um, patrons. Um, And because part of the idea of the floating library from the beginning was to, to be a social, well, I'm never really setting out to be a social practice project, but I didn't want it to rely on my, my network and my friends to be activated. I'm, I'm really tired of those kinds of social practice projects where it's really just the artist people that make it happen. And I wanted right, to the, really not truly the real do, public. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the authentic and so, real the people who just happen upon something. That's the, that's the right. public. And, and so that is what happened that year. People, that's what happens every year. People find the library because they're out on the water anyway. They've rented a canoe or a kayak for the afternoon, or they brought their own boat and they find us and they are either like shocked and kind of paddle away really fast or they're delighted and they are confused and surprised and, and have a wonderful time looking not just at books, but artist books. That's another key component to this project. So 2013 was the first year, totally self-funded, just put it out there. I learned a lot. A lot of books got lost. Um, nothing drowned that I know of, but um, 
the mechanics were a little clunky. And so by the next year, I wrote a grant that was supported by the Minnesota State Arts Board. We are lucky to have good funding here in Minnesota for artist projects. And so I got a $10,000 grant to produce the project again. Oh, wow. Um, That's That's a healthy grant. Yep. Yeah, it was. I I used the money to hire an architect to redesign the raft so that it would be more easily constructed at Lakeside and mobile. And I I commissioned three artists to make books for the library and paid for people's postage to send me things and stuff like that. And so I did another call, got another great round of beautiful and amazing books to come into the collection. And we spent, um, myself and many, many volunteers, floating librarians, I call them, Spent three three weeks on Cedar Lake, three weekends, I should say, on on Cedar Lake that summer, and then one weekend on Lake Winona, which is about two and a half hours south of the Twin Cities in Winona, Minnesota, where I was an artist-in-residence at Winona State University and working with the, the Minnesota Muse- Museum of Marine Art. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, And then there was another iteration in 2015, and then the Machine Project LA connection came about because I've known the folks at Machine for years now. I can't even quite remember how I first met Mark Allen, but um, I'd I'd been to visit Machine a couple of times when I'd been in LA, and then um, Mark and several other Machine people had done a residency here at the Walker Art Center a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. And so oh, I remember I, seeing I do that images in, of what they did, actually. Was that the lawnmower yeah. project? Yep. <laughs> it was, there was a lot. Yeah, Chris Kalmeyer did that. I was a performer in the lawnmower that's project great. that was really oh, fun. Yeah. Yep. And around that time was when I was developing the idea for the floating library. And I think I probably pitched it to one of them at that time. And they were like, you should just do it and then send us pictures. And so I did it and then I kept doing it. And then it just, you know, producing it just kind of took up all my time. And then I I have family. My sister lives in LA. And so I was in LA last, uh, last November for Thanksgiving. And I said, Hey Mark, I'm in town. Let's get, you know, let's have a meeting. Let's talk about this. And so in in typical machine fashion they were like yeah let's do it in february and i was like wait do you mean february 2016 or 2017 and they're like oh right like in a few months (laughs) yeah exactly but it was perfect timing because of the la book fair exactly and that was that was the connection Mm -hmm, the art book fair and they are fantastic to work with and lucas and meldia who are staffers there at machine um did all this fantastic outreach found all these really great volunteers and um, found a guy to build the raft, Bob Dornberger, who was great. And so he built a California version of the raft, which was fluorescent shelves. Looked really great out there on the water. And we spent four days floating around on Echo Park Lake and, and showing people artist books. And designer and bookmaker Becca Lofchi, who helped to curate a lot of L.A. artists. So the, the, the works that people were able to see in L.A. were like half half from the Minnesota slash national collection and half from LA book artists, which was really fun to get to know their work. Yeah. How many books are in your floating library collection at this point? Oh, you know, I really need to count because (laughs) (laughs) things go in and out of the collection because sometimes people need their things back back. if they have a one of a kind. Yeah, one of a kind or or very limited edition or whatever. Yep. And so, I mean, and then I and I have multiple copies of certain things. So I'm going to throw out there. There's something like a hundred. Okay. Um, I was just curious. I was but not curious. all of those get shown all the time. I mean, it's. I mean, I've never managed a collection before. That's one of the one of the things I'm learning. Um, mm-hmm. I have a an advisory committee of 
artists and literary people here in the Twin Cities, and one of them is Margaret Wilson, who is the librarian at the Walker Art Center. And I uh, and so she's been advising me on collections management, um, which is a whole new world to me because right. know, it's the floating library is just like carefully stacked in plastic tubs in my closet when it's right. in the office. Right. So um, and cataloging is a whole other kind of beast that I've right. never quite had time to do as uh, you know one person organizing this project, sort of begging from you know begging friends for help every summer. So. Right. Right. Um, now, let there, me ask many, you something. Many things that could be improved in that regard, but it, oh, all of in course. Time. Well, it's your, yeah, and you're learning, and as and as these as a project like this grows and grows, and you say you you learn and learn, and and it just kind of gets bigger and more sustainable, and that's kind of a that is like a DIY practice model. Most projects don't start out with a you know ten thousand dollar grant. It's more they start, and then again, there's you you think, okay, how can I support it? Grants. Um, are you a are you a, are you a nonprofit or a fiscally sponsored project at this point? Uh, yeah, I'm not a nonprofit, and I don't want to be. I mean, mm -hmm. there's some what where we go from now is a is a really yeah. interesting question. Right now, I have a pretty large grant from the Knight Foundation. That so I have a fiscal sponsor for the project to happen this coming summer. Okay, so, so and, you've been going kind of project by project in terms of mm -hmm. uh, the sponsorship mm -hmm. or the or how to sustain mm -hmm. it. And I also know mm -hmm. I saw that um, you had a crowdsourcing Indiegogo campaign going that I saw online, yep. and you raised three thousand dollars from the public to do your next project. So that's another avenue yep. people can go. Uh, you know, grants, of course, or get fiscally sponsored by another art um, arts organization, or just go ahead and crowd crowdfund, and and you successfully yeah. raise three grants. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that, and that so that crowdfunding was the last bit of money to the to get the match that I needed for this Knight Foundation grant. And so, I mean, I it's a little bit of everything. I threw a fundraiser with some friends. Mm -hmm. I did oh, okay. the Indiegogo campaign, and then I also got a grant to make up. A, the match dollars that I needed for this right. particular grant for this summer. But the, another thing, last summer I had zero grant funding and I found uh, an organization, a, a park system that's a part of the landscape of park systems here in the Twin Cities that hosted me. And so I, oh. I wasn't paid as an artist to be there, but mm -hmm. they had staff, they had boat people that helped drag the canoes around. They, I mean, it, they just, they provided so much they in kind support that it yeah, was the easiest, easy, the easiest production of the project in Minnesota so far. And so that's also yeah. another way to do it. I mean, I, I think so much because I work in the nonprofit sector as my job job and I see how that works and I see how in so many ways a nonprofit, you know, industrial complex as it's called by some is problematic mm -hmm. and reproduces bad habits and inequities that I don't, uh, that's not really a road that I want to go down with this project. And so, I'm trying out a lot of different ways to have it happen, including yeah. kind of self-funding, scrappy DIY style. Um, right. And I'm able to do that in part because I do have a job all the rest of the year. So, I, you know, I can right. pay yes. the money to you rent have the truck to all the things of, right. from the lake. Yep. Um, and I'm not security. supporting myself as an artist, um, which mm -hmm. I think is important to say because a lot of people are doing that and it's really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. And... So I don't know. I mean, in terms of how the sustain the model for sustaining it in the future is like a big fat question mark in my 
in my in my right. brain right now. I don't know. I don't but, know what's going to happen yeah. after this Well, but summer. it's okay. But, you know, you know. Again, most yeah, of, I, I, I think don't have that's to know similar. that yet. No, you don't have to know that, especially a project like this is really, um, you know, it's a it's passion project. It's very defined in kind of its physicality. I mean, you know, of, of what it does. And then it just sounds like you're taking opportunities each year to make it happen. And, and each year is mm-hmm. a little bit different. Exactly. And, each year is, is in, and, you're, and it sounds like you're, you're, you're fine with that. It almost is that that malleability is is really nice when it comes to something like this because you don't need yeah. it to, you can't really repeat itself the exact same way each time and, and nor should it. But um, so it, mm-hmm. it does, it's a great, it's a great model. And I, I, I think that uh, our listeners should definitely check out the, uh, your, your website for the floating library and just see a model for something that is engaging. And uh, when it's, when, when you have an innovative idea and then like you are doing finding ways to connect with the community and different sources and the public, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be successful, but like it is. So, so I, I congratulate you on it. And I want to keep looking um, to see where the year floating library comes. Maybe you'll come back to the West coast again. Did I see on your website something about Florida or am I wrong? That is not in the plan right now, although I'm not no, against okay. Florida. I've never actually oh, you know, been to the state of Florida. Um, so the only time it's happened, there. The only time it's happened outside of Minnesota is Los Angeles, and it was a great experience. And I would love to tour the project to just um, yeah, that could be. Now, next... And now I know what it takes. So I just right. that that's sort of that's right. like the fall time project is figuring mm-hmm. that out. <laughs> sure. Although with ten thousand lakes in your own state, you probably you can do it ten thousand times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even have you need to, to hire some staff for that. Right. But it might, but it's, but I, but the idea of traveling around is also really, really fun with it. Well, let me, okay. So let me ask you a little bit more. Just in our last ten minutes here, I would like to hear a bit about your um, work with Northern Spark Festival. You're the associate director and director of public engagement. It says on the site there of Northern Spark, mm-hmm. which just is 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 a great. Um, looks like a really great public uh, citywide engagement. And just so a quick. Um, a quick chat about how you got involved with that and describe for the audience what it is. Um, sure. That would be great. Sure. Northern Spark is a free multidisciplinary dusk to dawn art festival that takes place on the second Saturday of June in the Twin Cities. And we are going into our sixth year. So it's a relatively wow. young festival, but in that short time, it's really grown in popularity. And we have upwards of 50,000 people that attend wow. uh, on one night in eight and a half hours or eight hours and 26 minutes where so we start at 9 p.m. or whenever the farmer's almanac says that the sun sets and go until 5:30 in the morning when the sun rises mm-hmm. and in dune in minnesota that's a short night because we are so far north that it's light until i mean it, it's dusky at nine but the projections and other light-based projects that we have as part of the festival can't really even be seen until about 10 p.m and there's something special about the summertime in Minnesota. We've all made it through the winter together and <laughs> right. people just come out into the streets that. and view. We're celebrating exactly. And uh, so it's a, it's a festival that takes place both inside and outside. Uh, we work with many different cultural institutions and organizations to create the festival. So we curate probably 20% of the projects that people see when they come to Northern Spark, and all of the rest of the art is is organized and um, curated by partners ranging from the Walker Art Center to MCAD, Minneapolis College of Art and Design, to smaller arts organizations like MISNA, which has a staff of 
two, you know, 2.5 people that um, mm-hmm. promotes Arab and Arab American art here in the Twin Cities. And that's, that's three of like 75 people that wow. are part organizations that we've worked with. And so we pull this thing together and it's a night where it's a night of free culture. It's a night of celebrating the arts resources and, and creativity that exists here in the Twin Cities and also elsewhere because we bring in artists from around the country and sometimes um, internationally as well. And uh, so the, um, you know, and there's food trucks and there's music and dance and, you know, a lot yeah, of different kinds of things going on. Yeah, it's activated. And what makes us different than a lot of other art festivals is interactivity. Most of the projects you are getting involved with in some way, uh, you're laying down and being projected onto the side of these gigantic grain silos that are on the banks of the Mississippi River overlooking the city. Um, there, This year, one of the projects is an eight-hour-long dance performance by 100 dancers both trained and non-trained performers that will be performing in the street. We're taking uh, sh- shutting down a, a, a big stretch of road, and there will be um, dancing in a in a grid. That's a, a project by Anicha Arts, uh, who's a, a fantastic dance company led by Pramila Vasudevan, who we've worked with a number of times. So it's um, and, and people can walk in and among the dancers and sort of get up close and see what they are uh, their movements for the night. So those are a couple of examples of the things that people see: huge projections onto sides of buildings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, then you can wander over to a table where people are making something. You, there's a there's an all night quilting project that uh, is is happening this year. And so it's a people wander and hang out and make things and listen to things and step into projections and step into a little mini cinema made in the corner of the Mill City Museum, uh, things like that. Um, and for Sounds the next years, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say for the next two years, we're doing something a little bit different and we're taking on the theme of climate change and, and looking at the way that artists can help us into this complicated, sometimes depressing, dour, maddening topic. <laughs> and so uh, right. that's, so we're walking down that road um, this June and then also next June. Well, th- people can check that out on uh, northernspark.org to just see what a, what a, a you know, city can do overnight. I mean, there are th- that model of overnight festivals does exist, as we all know, starting with Paris all those mm-hmm. years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there is mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Here and that's in what's LA. the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something here in LA uh, as well that happens like that, and um, but it's great that that Minneapolis is doing that. And well, you know what? I am so intrigued and, and engaged with all these projects going on. I think it might be time for me to visit my friend in Minneapolis. <laughs> so we I would love to have you come visit. Well, I would love to as well. I'll have to see if I can. I love to do that. I'm so glad you came on uh, Just Do It and told us all about your projects. You're a perfect example of someone who is, you know, engaging in DIY practices and on so many different levels. And um, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure others did too. And again, people can go check out your projects online. And I'm going to give a pitch for Just Radio as well and say thank you to Sarah for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Just Radio is brought to you by Just Inc. Uh, we're an artist-run organization. It's by artists for artists. And we have a website that you should go to, G-Y-S-T dash I-N-K 
www.thepeacefulmovement.com. And our website, you can access hundreds of free pages of information and uh, notices about workshops. We have technology solutions, everything you need to know about the business of art and having running DIY practices and sustaining your career in many different ways. So please join our uh, social media sites as well. Just radio on Facebook is a great way to interface with this uh, show. And I hope that you all are intrigued enough to listen in again and check our archives of artists like Sarah Peters who are really doing interesting things. Signing off from Just Inc. See you next time. Life is full of big moments. Getting married, having kids, moving into a new home. These are the kind of moments that change everything. And they might have you making changes to things you don't always think about, like your health coverage. Covered California wants you to know that when you have a big life change, you may be able to enroll in health coverage or adjust your current plan. The enrollment window is limited, so to see if you qualify or to find one of our local experts, visit CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare progressive direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.